and welcome everyone to the Grim and Bloody podcast. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a change up tonight. I'm Kevin Nicholson. You're hearing my uh, my voice, a uh, writer and uh, an interviewer for HorrorNews.net. We belong Dead Magazine, Scary Monsters. The list goes on and on. And uh, with me, of course, is uh, Anthony Derone, who is the uh, producer of Desperate Film Festival. The hello. Put on this wonderful show. Thank you. Uh, we've got uh, Joe Flynn, uh, the Creative uh, Horror Host Legend. Thank you. I am here. And Al Omega, the uh, the, the legendary, iconic. Uh, uh, think of a few more things. Checks in the mail. Al, the man who needs uh, no introduction. Uh, yes. Oh God, nice host. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is I, I, and, and of course, Bob, in his own little way, are here. We is here. <laughs> and with us today, we have a very special guest. Uh, is Joe, uh, Joe Baden, Baden, Baden? Badon, but that's Badon. Yeah, either way. Thank kinda you. Kind of rhymes with badass, uh, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Bad off, bad on. Yeah. And Joe Badon is a, uh, is a, I'm going to say you're just a, a mini hyphenate, uh, Man, you're a director, actor, writer, producer, guy who gets the uh, who, who, who gets the, uh, the coffee for everybody in the crew. Uh, you know, yeah, probably gets the, probably I am my, uh, a jack of all trades. Master probably will procure hookers if you you know if you want some <laughs> or burritos. Sure, some. hookers and burritos. <laughs> Hookers and burritos. There you <laughs> go. They usually go together, you know. Yes. I think there's a movie in that. Uh, you know. Uh, Someone needs to make a podcast named that. Hookers and burritos. <laughs> oh. I tune in. No. So no, I like this. You could interview hookers, right? Works <laughs> for me. Replace the burritos. Well, we yeah. You, you can interview the hooker eating the burrito. Yeah, I love this idea. There you go. This is great. Howard Stern would do it. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking that. He probably already did. He probably has. Yeah. Howard hey, Stern hey. would interview somebody while sitting naked on a toilet. Uh, you know, that's... Uh, like, I think that's he's done that. I'm naked on a toilet right now. Oh, <laughs> oh they make me wear clothes. Yes. Yes. We we do force uh, Al to uh, you know there's there's a restraining order thing that's going on. <laughs> yeah. Force him to wear clothes now. That makes sense. Damn, he has the legs for you know he, he has the legs to show off, but society says we have to have him wear clothes. <laughs> yes. All those so, years of Rocky Horror gone down the tubes. Well, I'll go ahead and start it off. Please, um, Joe. I wanted to first congratulate you on the success with the god inside my ear um i haven't been able to watch it yet um but from the trailer and from the reviews and from the different film festivals including another hole in the head which is just 30 minutes north of where i am um you accomplished a lot I'm really seriously though no bsing aside you made this movie for eight thousand dollars yeah well okay ten thousand so <laughs> i knew it <laughs> right two thousand dollars more yes <laughs> so yeah we, we pre-production and production was eight thousand and then we had to end up like one of my producers put put in or a couple of my producers put in a little bit extra money at the end for 
for post-production. But it was shot and everything for eight grand. Wow, that's amazing because I think one of the highlights from what I see is, and I want to watch it now, I really want to see this, um, is the cinematography, the sound yeah. design, and the, uh, and the color. Um, as well as the film editing, those all got really high marks from, from the critics that I found. And um, I would say those would be the areas where if, you know, there wasn't a lot of attention to detail or if you didn't have the right skill behind the camera or the right resources to produce, or, you know, make your skill come out, um, those would be the areas that would be lacking. Um, you can have the best script in the world that you can have Tom Cruise in front of that camera, but um, if you don't have the, the right skill behind the camera or with the right resources, uh, that film isn't coming out good. Yeah, you know, I was just lucky to, to kind of fall into a group of filmmakers like uh, cinematographer Daniel Waghorn and editor Joseph Estrade and uh, Matt Schultz and Devin Lawrence who do the sound. Uh, was just ha I just like accidentally found these guys to, to work with me to collaborate on everything that we've done together. And they're just extremely talented. And one thing that, you know, I, I can't take a picture to save my life. I'm an artist and so I'll do, I do storyboards and concept art, and, you know, write the script and get every, get all that creative stuff together. But technically I can't do shit. Um, uh, I can do some editing, like we were talking about the uh, subliminal messages pilot that I put together, and that was my editing. So I can edit, but it's it's very minimal, you know. So to have guys that have really been trained for years and they they want to hop on some very absurdist, strange stuff is just a blessing, you know. Now, uh, let me step uh, step in because one of the things that you you just you know, talked about you kind of uh, uh, you know did an aside about um, writing yeah. in this type of uh, uh, in, in this type of genre this type of, uh, of industry I don't want to downplay uh, you know that because um, from what I have read one of the films that, that you've done that uh, that intrigues me the most to see is Sister Temple yeah and one of the things that uh, that I've read that, that you have done is come up with these wildly original um uh, uh you know stories formulas and in sister tempest you're dealing with an alien tribunal right <laughs> cannibalism right and you're turning it into a musical at uh, <laughs> at, at times yes and and that that kind of reminded me a bit of okay, this is a guy that's a little bit of rock horror, uh, you know. Again, let's just have some sadistic, twisted fun, uh, you know, about uh, about this. Um, it would seem to me that you have uh, that you have a writing skill. Um, it, was that something that you were that you were uh, you know kind of uh, driven to do before you even? went behind the camera yeah i drew i wrote and illustrated comic books for years sure. as well and um i've always like had a weird passion for writing i'm i don't read as much as i should you know and uh that's probably a, that's just a fault that i have you know i, need, I should be reading more if i'm going to be writing but um 
I've, I, I just always like had a passion to do it. I've done it my whole life in, in writing short stories that I've lost all over the years and poetry and all that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I, I want to tell my own stories, like the, what I have in my head, I want to tell and do. I just want complete control in that way. So I don't want to, even if I have an idea, I don't want to just give it off to a writer because there's like certain specific things that I want to do. Um, so I'll usually write the first draft and then send it off to writer friends who know writing better than me and are able to help me kind of shape it. Um, because I, I don't, I don't believe in rules at all. So when I'm writing, I'm not writing with any sort of any sort of rule book in mind as far as writing uh, goes. And so I do hand it off to writer friends that then give me notes because they're like, "Well, this you're breaking all these rules," and uh, and then I'll I'll see if I want to keep breaking them or not. But it's good to hear from people that actually know what they're doing. I just don't. I feel like I'm just creative and. And, um, and so I get people around me that can help me shape what I want. Um, but I don't feel like I'm very talented, but um, I've always felt like that. It's just kind of, you know, insecurities, I guess. I'm gonna counter that you're not feeling that you're very talent, uh, talented. Sin City Horror Fest, this film cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. Best director, best editing, best feature. Uh, um, I know, and I feel- You don't do that without talent. <laughs> I know it just feels very surreal um, I it just feels like you know I think because I did comic books for about 12 years uh, well no about 10 years and uh, really poured my guts into writing and illustrating but mainly illustrating um, and it just I hit a very small wall and I didn't really feel like I went anywhere so I kind of went into filmmaking with with high hopes, but kind of low expectations, you know? And so it's really wonderful to see that people are connecting with what I'm doing. I, I'm very grateful for that, you know? Uh, that's great. You know, I, I do have a question. Yes, what please. made you get into filmmaking? Um, I, <clears throat> well, sorry. I've been kind of doing it on and off my whole life just with, um, just with friends, you know, but never actually anything serious. Like even when I was a child, me and my dad and my brother were making sci-fi films with Super 8 cameras, you know? So like, yeah, nice. so like I, it's always been in my blood. Um, and so really what made me finally launch off it and do it as like a career choice and, and to do something official was uh, when I turned 40. It was like kind of that midlife crisis kind of feel, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, I'm hitting the second half of my life. And um, what what are those things that I like want to do before I get too old, you know? So that was really it. It was midlife crisis. Now let me- uh, let me That's fantastic. Go ahead, Kevin. Oh, sorry, Joe. Um, just cutting in for a minute. I, I can imagine that your the weirdest thing in, uh, in image that I'm getting right now is that uh, one of your um, I would say one of your icons you probably looked up to was something closer to Andy Warhol than yeah. any um, 
than any genre director or uh, or icon. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Actually, the probably the biggest creative source for me is a composer by the name of John Zorn. He's a uh -huh. um, jazz and classical composer from from New York in like the '90s, and he kind of got famous with a band called Naked City, and. Um, the big thing that he did, because I was a musician growing up in high school, and um, I mean, still play now, I, but um, I got really influenced by Zorn in high school. And one thing he opened me up to was the possibility of of playing every genre like known to man. He wasn't just sticking to one genre. And, and then he would do this thing where he would genre hop. He would like take in one song he would go through 20 or 30 changes and it would be like country to jazz to death metal to noise to surf to rock and it was just always changing it's some of the wildest shit i've ever heard and um and that probably influenced me more creatively than anything you yeah, know, okay. so i say you're you're listening and you're thinking okay i get a glenn campbell vibe here and then what Bee Gees? What? <laughs> right. What? Well, that's not that far to go. <laughs> <laughs> now, Alice Cooper from Glen Campbell, maybe. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm thinking when you when you say you, you who you look up to, yeah. has anyone ever compared your work to Ernie Kovacs? Is that old TV show? Ernie, no, I haven't got Ernie Kovacs yet. Oh, uh, because I was a young man watching him, and he threw it hard and fast and very. Yeah. yeah, did a lot of really, really weird shit, which is yeah. what your, your shows are. Yeah, oh, totally. You know, like that—that's the thing too. Like, um, if if something's just different and weird, that's what I'm really more inspired by than anything. You know, probably I I, I watch like a lot of like Adult Swim and you know, ah. and uh, you know, I love experimental comedians like Andy Kaufman, Tim and Eric. And, you know, yeah, Pee Wee Herman, you know, just guys that are doing things that are their own thing. And uh, that inspires me more than anything. Hmm. But, but you My know, that, got inspired because you're doing some really interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. But yeah, Very you know, interesting, but stupid. Yes. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, uh, that's an old laughing line. Uh, very interesting. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I love that kind of absurdity. But, you know, um, having, I was, so my whole life I've kind of always been doing, launching different c careers and then it kind of fizzling out. I did music for a long time. And, uh, and then I was actually in the ministry for a long time. Uh, and then I got out of that and I was doing comic books. Uh, and, and illustration work and I was always I was always kind of doing things for other people I was always like working doing commissions or you know trying to like move up the ladder somehow and um, and finally now with movies is I don't I don't want to do this for anyone else but myself I'm tired of trying to to, to trying to like chase the carrot of success or you know, critical success or anything. I, I've just decided I'm gonna use this art form as like just something personally for me that can be like honest, you know? So that's what I'm trying to do with movies. Well, Basil Rathbone always said, uh, 
never shy away from what you enjoy. That which is done from the heart never fades. Yes, yes. And so I can see, you know, people look at this stuff and this, you know, this is weird. You know, 100 years from now, people be looking at it, going, wow, that's weird. So <laughs> you wouldn't have lost any ground no matter what. Yes. That's why I started my career fat and bald. I can't go down from there. Right <laughs> nice. Nice. You know, weird doesn't date itself very, very uh, easily. It, it stays. It stays um, current. You know, you watch Eraserhead is still just as weird as it was when it first came out. Oh yeah. yeah. You listen. You watch something like uh like meshes of the afternoon the short film or or like you know stuff like metropolis you know like that shit just never never ages classic it's just yeah it's, right it's because it's just fucking weird like no one's ever seen it before you know yeah they call it weird now but 100 years from now they'll be like, oh no that's masterwork <laughs> right right all right now i had a question joe um for, for creatives in the horror or suspense or thriller genre who, who kind of write the straight lace you know linear horror i guess right. myself included um sure. when you're crafting something that is non-linear that is psychedelic that's like a, a real kind of like a mind trip how right. tough it is or is it to when you're you're penciling it out to when you're writing it, it for someone who's not familiar with that and they try to follow how hard is it to pencil it up and then convert it properly into a film while making sure uh your message gets through that it, it's understood so that the viewer when they're watching it they have a clear understanding of what's happening even though it's like a roller coaster of images and sounds but there is a your, your message still comes through in the end how tough is that translating to different bits oh extremely extremely tough and i'm like scared to death the entire time uh while we're shooting and editing because i just i'm like scared i'm not going no one's going to understand what the fuck i'm i'm trying to do yeah. uh, or trying to say you know um but it's funny because i'm i'm feeling more and more bold every film that i do good with god, with god inside my ear i I tried to keep it as linear as I possibly could. I tried to keep it just point A to point B, and that's like the film, uh, with just kind of trippy shit connecting scenes. And um, with Sister Tempest, I really tried to like spill the puzzle box out and try to rearrange everything as much as I could and, st and still try to feel like I'm telling a narrative, but a very thin line that you have to follow. And now with going forward, I'm like, well, I'm going to trust this even harder because I thought Sister Tempest might have, might have been too strange. But in the end, most people are able to, to follow it, at least enough. And so I'm like, okay, I can go even further. And I would like to find that kind of sweet spot where I, I haven't gone too far, but I can still tell a story. And I'm still trying to look for that sweet spot. So... Uh, that's great you know it's always good to find that sweet spot of a film yeah go like that's it that is what i want uh, yes. never mind <laughs> and i'm Rub sure that I'll, done. i'm sure that i'll make some films that are, i've tipped over the scale too much and it'll be too much nonsense i'm sure i will and that's fine you uh, will and you're gonna find somebody who comes up to you and says i understood that 
Yes. And we're going to walk away going, okay, buddy, uh, <laughs> 10 feet that way. <laughs> you yes, got $10, I promise. Uh, anyway, the question I have is, I, I just noticed um, you are, I, I'm very fascinated by your comic, Terra Kaiju. Yes. You are, uh, it's reading, you are the uh, one of the big Godzilla fans. And um, uh, is there uh, is there hope? I saw you you had a Kickstarter campaign that was uh, that was done uh, in 2015, and I'm looking at the story for uh, you know for this. I'm thinking that there's a little bit of the Gollum type of uh, a formula, rising a god up to uh, you know to help save your village. Uh, yeah, you know, that was it. actually heavily based off of Daimajin. Yeah. If you've seen, yeah. Right. That's, but I was that's wondering, are you close to a movie? Are you close to putting that uh, together as uh, as some kind of uh, film project? Oh, Have you yeah. thought about it? Yeah, I mean, it would be amazing to do. Um, I, I guess I'm always like going forward. So it's almost like, oh, that was an old project. I'm not even thinking about it. But um, if somebody was was interested, I have that comic, so it's a good little selling piece. Um, that and The Man with 10,000 Eyes, which was another comic book that I did, which was more of a body horror uh, comic. Um, and yeah, I mean, if someone was interested, I would shoot it in a, in a second, you know? But no, I, I don't have any plans for it. I, I just, it looks fascinating, and uh, I would hope that uh, that something comes of it, even from an anime perspective. Yeah, uh, you know, to you know, to have because I think it would really uh, it would really work. Um, it looks uh, it, it looks fast. Getting back to what you were talking about, um, the unusual aspects of uh, Sister Tempest. Uh, I think you know. I think that audiences. I think audiences are more adaptable than you think uh, yeah. towards things that are truly or, original. Uh, and so, I don't. I don't think you could. I think what you would think is maybe too wild for an audience. Maybe something that they. I think they can get it. Yeah, I think people are ready for it right now. I think yeah. everybody's getting pretty tired of formula. Hollywood formulas that are just just raking us over the coals right now uh you know it's like superhero movies like yes. everywhere and it's like that's great but it's like there's 8,000 of them at this point every it's oversaturation you know and I think people are just looking for something new it's like all sure. we're getting is remakes of you know Ghostbusters and Lethal Weapons and shit it just doesn't make any sense we need if if there was something original that happened and, and it made a shitload of money, I think Hollywood would would follow, you know, but right. but they're just too scared because they feel like they have to spend $150 million on a film to make a film, which is crazy, but. Right. But that's why you see yeah. this, why you see the success of movies like Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Yeah. You know, it, it's because here, there's something a little different from yeah. your normal film. Yeah. Yeah, that you're gonna, yeah, and uh, and that's what what works. I think this. I think the fan base is just crying out for something that's original. Something Absolutely. that's not the same thing. 
You know, I'm so basically what I do as a day job is I sell my artwork um, on the streets of New Orleans. And so I sell a lot of um, to tourists, right? And and I sell a lot of like Spider-Man illustrations and Superman. I make my money off of superheroes mainly, which is funny because I would never, I'm just not, I, I love comics. I love superheroes, but I'm just tired of what the industry's done to them. Um, but, you know, talking to all these people, like no one, I've talked to so many people and no one is happy with just seeing the same shit over and over. Everyone is thirsty for something new, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's time to, sh to be more original. And that's what I'm trying to just be myself in film uh, and do my own thing, you know, so. Well, I definitely hope that you, uh, uh, that you, uh succeed beyond your wildest dreams hell yeah thank you <laughs> because well, you're yeah. already pretty weird this is some really interesting stuff you put together here yeah, yeah. and i have to say you know I, and I don't say this often um because i have a huge ego but i'm actually very jealous of you with all this background that you've got and these uh i don't want to call them disciplines but different uh aspects that you have brought to movie making uh, able to do music and yeah. uh, writing and comic book and all this other stuff. Uh, I myself uh, have absolutely no ability in any of these fields. So I think it's just awesome that you have brought all of that to movies. Yeah, and, thank you. He, he, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you know, and, and you've got some really weird stuff. And I, I think in a lot of ways, that's the only way the weird stuff comes out. Because unless you're in charge, and yeah. it's homogenous weird stuff. You get, uh, you know, and we've seen them before. Some movie where they say, well, my friends and I like to refer to it as the Babylon 5 syndrome. Lost had it. They just say, let's just make a left turn. Anytime they think we're going to do go right, <laughs> we don't actually care what the outcome is. We don't have a plan. And that's right. you get weird shit that is meaningless. Uh, right. And your stuff, I, I can't grasp all of it, but I can see it's going somewhere. Yeah. You know, and I think that's like um, watching movies from like Birdman and watching movies from Agnes Varda or David Lynch and watching yeah. people, watching people who, whose brains don't work like normal humans. Instead of watching, uh, watching a show like, you know, on AMC, which they're well-written shows, but it's written by a team of writers that are all trying to like figure out the best way to to create a puzzle and it all it's all wonderfully it's wonderful it's like very masterful but you're not getting an auteur's vision that is somebody who may have mental problems and is creating something that's personally from their from their groin you know instead of from their brain and and i want to capture that kind of filmmaking again that i feel like has been a bit lost and i think one reason is is because Everyone, the, everyone that are filmmakers are going to film school or feel like they need to follow rules and they're, they're learning the craft, but they're not learning the heart. It's like the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law. You know, they, they're learning the letter, not the spirit, you know? Yeah, um, yes, I can see that. Yeah, and so I'm trying to like bring that kind of art house um, quality back, I guess. You know. Well, nothing succeeds like mediocrity. 
Wow. And that's the thing is that you, a lot of people they go out and they sweat and they toil and then someone comes away. Which is the line from Richard Marx, you know, a little bit of something can look awful good to you. Yeah, sell me your idea and uh, then you'll finally get enough money to pay rent and uh, we're just going to bastardize the crap out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the story of Hollywood. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, it's nice to see that you've done such interesting things. You've got some really interesting actors in here. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm really checking out Holly Bonnie here with the long red hair. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a long hair fan. So, nice. Yeah, yes. she's I'm, a... I've got a, a redheaded wife, and so yeah, I have. I love the redheads for sure. You know, um, what I wanted to do was that's from Sister Tempest, and yeah, uh, because we basically have three main actresses in the film, and so I decided I needed each of them to have distinct hair colors because I really hate in films where everyone kind of is styled the same and has the same hair color, and I'm like, I don't know, is this this is this jesse or is this cohen or is this like they all look the same i don't remember which dude is which or which girl is which so i try to always make everyone like physically different you know for each role um i just feel like that's better storytelling you know yeah i agree with that you know you know it's sort of like you know you could go to any movie and the characters could look exactly the same as yeah. you're saying yeah and you go like hey i'm kind of lost or confused who is that again oh. you oh, know yeah. but but yeah it, it, it's for me yeah it, to me it's got to be a good storyline or yeah. a hook or something to get people in and yeah. you know I, I'm looking forward to watching your films. I, mean, I admit I haven't watched it yet, but I will. Sure. Because I'm yeah. a good. I'm a Boy Scout <laughs> at heart. Well, I don't know. I, I just I need uh, I need that little fix of Alien Tribunal and uh, bloodletting. Uh, you know. Thanks, Kevin. E eating flesh. Because <laughs> uh, um, I really think that that's not a, that's not an explored area of horror and science fiction. Yeah. For sure. Oh, you never read Martian Meringue? Oh. No. Oh, well then. <laughs> I'll have to so look that one up. I will have to. Uh, I'll have to look. Uh, you know. Uh, that title that alone is great. Yeah, Martian Meringue. That's perfect. Uh, well, you see. remember the, the character Jim from Taxi? Though he's right. stoned all the time. Oh sure. yes. High school. I, I knew a guy that looked and was like that, and he had a series of comic books that only made sense. If you were stoned, <laughs> he was right. They certainly didn't make sense when you were sober. And one of them was Martian Moran. Nice. That's great. That's uh, great. I would say that if you're going to watch my films, though, as well, you know, psychedelics or something is, is definitely would help, you know, the understanding of the story for sure. That certainly helped when I watched Pink Floyd The Wall. Uh, oh, yeah. Know. <laughs> You, you needed to be stoned off your ass to understand that, uh, uh, you know, understand that film. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, I was just looking up the, um, uh, uh, Al was talking about uh, uh, the blonde Miss Russell uh, in your no. uh, in your film. And I'm saying, I'll say this is the only gay man here. <laughs> um, Lucas Boffin. I am like entranced by his eyes right uh you know right now it's like 
I got to see, uh, you know, other things. This actor yeah. is gorgeous. He's gorgeous. A dude. He's a great dude. He's so, he's such a cutie, right? Yes. Um, yeah, he he does play a fairly significant role in in the God inside my ear. So, yeah, yeah if you want to check him out, that's a good one to check yes. him, check him out with. Uh, he plays in Sister Tempest, but he's wrapped in bandages, so you never yes. actually see his face. Yeah. But, and, and but those blue eyes are just like ah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's very photogenic too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want you to keep making movies uh, so I can see Aubrey Elise in about ten years. Oh yeah. I want you to see what she looks like. She is so photogenic. I was just in movie industry for the chicks. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Have you seen the movies I show? <laughs> Sexy yeah. Rangers? Did you see that for Valentine's Day? <laughs> Sexy Rangers. Oh man. Yeah, that's that... the Power Rangers where they wear bikinis yes. instead of armor. Yep. It's so terrible. Yeah. Don't look at me, man. I didn't do it. (laughs) Well, the worst part about that film is that it looks like it was shot on a cell phone. And it's just like, what? It was. What is going on here? So bad. So where can everyone find you, Joe? Um, So you can find my Kickstarter that I'm doing right now for my new short film, uh, The Wheel of Heaven, if you go to wheelofheaven.com. Or if you go to Kickstarter and search for Wheel of Heaven, it'll pop up that way. You can uh, look up me as a filmmaker at joebadon.com. Uh, look up me as an illustrator at joebadon.blogspot.com. Yes, I sell a blogspot. Um, that's that anymore. Blogspot? <laughs> I swear, I, that I make half, right. my, half my websites I make on blogspot because it's the only one I still understand how to use. I'm such an old man, but, um, and then of course, if you go on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and just look up Joe Badon, you know, you can find me that way. Any of my films have, all my films have Instagrams and Facebooks and Twitters and shit. So you can just search for all those and you'll find them. Uh, You seem to have quite the YouTube presence too. Uh, (laughs) I, I noticed the, uh, there was, there was a, a show that you had on YouTube about how to make a film with eight thousand uh, dollars oh yeah that actually yeah. got quite a few views which was yes. really cool yeah yeah we did that as kind of a promotion for the guidance on my ear and we made it uh, we we submitted it to like i can't remember the name of the the film site off the top of my head indie film grit or something like that and yeah it's gotten like ten thousand or twenty thousand views or something like that and it's it's uh people seem to have really responded uh to to that video pretty well well i was um, i was you know watching it and i was thinking you could actually direct the class uh, <laughs> on how to how to get this done because i i think that uh a lot of filmmakers even with constrictive budgets like that still don't know how to you know how to use it best yeah or work with a small uh with a small budget and i think that as I was watching your your program, and it was, it was like, wow, I'm learning a lot of things about how to do this. Well, you know what? I get frustrated by those kind of videos because one reason why I thought it would be a good idea to make the video was because I was watching a lot of those, like how to make a movie with $5,000 or $10,000, whatever. I was watching a bunch of those before I made The God Inside My Ear. Uh, because that's how I was learning was just by YouTube videos and you know ebooks and shit, and um, I couldn't find 
a good video to save my life. All of them were so stupid. They were like, believe in yourself, write a good script, make sure you have a plan. Like the dumbest shit I've ever <laughs> make heard. Make sure you have a plan. Yeah. Like, How do you come like, up with one though? Come on. Like these obvious things, like, you know, like, like it's like wiki how or e how like articles they were obviously written by high school students for like a class and like yeah i know how to lick a stamp like that's the dumbest article i ever read and so i was i really decided i was going to make a video that was just practical like you really could like look go out and you know make the food yourself and don't hire a caterer like it's that simple like these are simple ideas you know storyboard everything before you shoot like these are just simple ideas but most people that's not even in these like how-to books you know so i just decided i'd make one so mm. well hey joe before we kind of end i have one last question yeah. for you what was your favorite film growing up horror -wise? horror wise evil dead 2. Ah. Yeah. Why was I thinking that? Thank you. Yes, hey, that's awesome. Evil Dead Two. I just Sam Raimi, you goes outrageous just like you do. Yes. Oh, he goes so hard in that movie. Like he was rigid in that entire film, and yeah. it was, you know, um, I think I saw that movie like freshman year of high school. It was like ninety one or something, ninety two. Whenever it was just a year or two after it came out, I found it on videotape. Um, videotape yes and like at a at like a some sort of local night video or something and just by myself I rented it went home watched it by myself and discovered like this gem of like the three stooges meets Cthulhu and, That's right. you know and I had never seen anything like it it was so wacky so bold so absurd and uh and for like two or three years of my high school experience every weekend i would try to find someone who'd never watched it and i'd make them to sit down and watch it with me and so yeah i was obsessed with that film now joe i, I want to switch gears i know we were closing here but yeah uh, no, 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 something no, no. really cool came up uh while i was just kind of uh, uh clicking around um yep. with your uh your films Sister Tempest, and um, this will also be a first for for the rest of you, uh, for SG, Al, Joe, and Kevin. Sister Tempest is scheduled to screen at the Indie Horror Film Festival virtually, yes. on July sixteenth. Congratulations on being yeah. selected! Congrats! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah. uh, I bring that up because that's great. Uh, your your work is being uh, screened. Um, but as a filmmaker, and this is something I'm grappling with right now because of uh, COVID-19, I'm seeing a lot of local horror film festivals go virtually. And I wanted to get your opinion on what you think about having your film screened, you know, um, over a computer, over a phone, over a tablet, um, through a secure platform, but it's not in the traditional, um, theater you know where you, you walk in you get some cheap popcorn you sit down you look at a big screen you know surrounded by everyone else um did you have any kind of misgivings or kind of uh a little hesitant on having your film screened uh, virtually or 
were you actually one of the many who say, you know what, my film can now actually be viewed by more than those who are just around one city, right? Even though it would be difficult for guests to show up there. Um, and as, if anyone's been following, you know, uh, pop culture news, Comic Con, uh, once again, went virtually um, this July. Um, what are your thoughts as far as having your film screen virtually? It's not the traditional theater, but there's a possibility that it will now be screened to more people um, than somewhere in a local theater, you know, 30 minutes off the beaten path. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I had no problem with being screened online at all. Like my my only the only thing that was upsetting was we had finished Sister uh, like the, the, the first cut of Sister Tempest like a week before or two weeks before like everything got shut down and we were literally two day a day before uh the whole new orleans was shut down or no we okay we were going to screen our cast and crew screening at a theater and we got shut down the day before like everything got shut down so we weren't able to have that like communal experience with my cast and crew and that's really the only thing i i cared about but as far as everything else, I don't give a shit. Like I'd like, the thing was was that I got into sometimes got into a bigger festival because it was online, right? And ha half of the other films were like, we're not going to do it because it's online and we're going to wait. And so I was able to like scoop into that spot and and more people watch me. So I'm like, that's fine. I don't give a shit. Also, I'm a pretty lazy person. I would rather. <laughs> watch a film at home then go to a festival and have to like pretend like like you know i'm comfortable enough to be talking to this person or you know hey. you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying like it, i know well, it's true that yeah you don't have some guy some six foot eight guy sitting in front of you yeah <laughs> You don't have anybody's hey cell phone in front of you. What, <laughs> it, it just eliminates all those annoying little things that you yes. get in the theater. The person yeah. who's talking, whispering, even the, the, the uh, I'm sensitive six, in a theater. Uh, you're oh, six nine guy and you're six foot ten. Sit, I'm sorry. You're but, six foot nine guy and you sit in front of one guy. One guy <laughs> in the theater. Dang. <laughs> But I will say, if I could have my way, I'd have a transporter in my house, and I would transport to every one of these film festivals and actually sit in the theater. I would love that. But, uh, you know, if if it can only be online, I am fine with that. Um, so, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Um, uh, I, I, I haven't reached the level of success you had, although I, I did make a short film that was screened. Um, a couple places, the um, Tampa Bay Horror Fest nice. um, was one of them, and um, I, I wish I could have been there because there's there's a small joy in in sitting in an audience who's there to watch films and yours is being selected. Oh, you can yeah. kind of see them, you can see their reactions, right? Maybe they loved it, maybe they hate it, but they're there to see something, and it was picked out of you know a stack of others. Um, yep. But you still get that your film is still picked out of a stack of others yes. um, although you don't see their reactions um, one of the things that in fact we're doing is a live screening in which we can interact with a live audience a little bit right you can hear yeah. them say, oh my god that was scary and uh, you know they're they're kind of building up and we get to talk with them so that is fun 
Um, I don't think we'll be able to achieve that with a film festival. It's probably going to be, you know, kind of like the the platforms where it's all available during certain dates. But um, well, there's I pros think, and cons, and you yeah. can have to weigh them. Um, but with COVID, I think, at least for us, we're going the, the, the virtual way. Um, yeah. So I, I was just interested to hear what you thought when they, they approached you, like, you know, we're doing a virtual fest, but we would like you, we'd like to screen your film. So, and thank you for answering. Yeah, and I, was, I was just gonna say one more, one more thing is that sure. there was some festivals that were live streamed. So they only showed your movie once and it was just for a certain time. And uh, like they would either have them on YouTube, they would do them on YouTube or they do them on like some sort of secured platform right. with, with a chat window. And um, those were my favorite. Those were great because I was just talking with everyone watched, like there was one that had like 90 people on. And I was talking to everyone while I was watching and answering questions. Those are fun. Didn't you guys Those have were, fun in April? I love that. Yeah, so. it's a different feeling. There's a little, there's a, there was a certain level of excitement, at least from our end, um, yeah. watching the film, talking about it, and then talking uh, with those who are chiming in. And uh, yeah. you're right, it can reach a and wider audience. the directors. Exactly. Yeah, we were rolling in uh, filmmakers, and uh, we're going to have a few more on July 22nd. So, yeah, you know, it's a it's a different way of doing it, but I think when you when you get down to it, you, you can reach more people. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm old fashioned. I also like the theater, so I can't wait to to yeah. show it um, in, in a physical audience and you're there with others. I, I like when you mentioned communal feeling. I like that, that feeling of community also. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can do both. Um, I tried both uh, in the beginning. I uh, had a virtual fest as well as a physical. So I'll be happy to yeah. reach that, that medium where you can show films virtually and as well as physically. Get the best of both worlds. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Well, Joe, uh, we can go ahead and wrap it here. I want to thank you very much uh, for coming on our show. And once you give your website for everyone again, who missed it? Yeah, sure. You, uh, right now, the biggest thing is to go check out my Kickstarter, and that's wheelofheaven.com. There we uh, go. Yep. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> Yay. Do it, guys. Yeah. I'm, and Ta-da. Joe, I'm still waiting for the uh, for the next film. It has to deal with cannibalism in the seminary. Uh, <laughs> I actually am writing a, a nun film pretty close to that. So, and, and, and definitely, and space aliens will be involved somehow, right? Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> you just piqued Al's interest. <laughs> you, just, you heard it here first. Well, I heard there was food, so I was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on, Joe. Uh, appreciate your time. And uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. But I want to give the floor to Kevin, Joe, and Flynn. Uh, talk about a little bit of what you guys are coming up with uh, in the next couple of weeks. You can go ahead, well, Kevin. Well, let's see. I've got uh, I've got two interviews that I'm uh, uh, that I'm working on um, with uh, uh, David Scal, the uh, the horror historian, and also with. Uh, uh, William Griffey, the uh, cult film director, and uh, so it's a lot of a lot of fun, uh, you know, fun stuff. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Al, do I dare ask what movie is showing oh. on Creature Features this week? Uh, well, actually, <laughs> since I'm I'm on set for a film, for several films actually, uh, 
they're going to look a little strange because we had to rush and make several all at once. So uh, we do have, let's see, what do we have? We have a uh, monster with uh, the attack of the eye creatures. That's it. Attack of the eye creatures is coming up. And then it's John Ashley. Awesome. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. Good and one. then I, I have a couple of episodes I've watched together for a show of a TV series you didn't see that was uh, retold, renamed, given another season that died. So it's called Ghost Stories, and I love it because nice. it takes place at the Casa del Sol Hotel. It's supposed to be a house, and I like to hang out there a lot whenever I can down in San Diego. Awesome. So yeah. I love that Casa del Sol. They need to have me in as a spokesperson. Good deal. Yes. Joe Flynn, what you got cooking, Joe? Well, I'm going to be talking about some upcoming horror news that people are going to be either surprised by or just going like, what? Are you kidding me? Uh, yes, a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, I can't say much, but it'll be crazy. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's our time for tonight. Thank you again for tuning into the Grim and Bloody podcast, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Good night for me, and it's good night for uh, you got, uh, don't forget, Joe, guys. Joe, you were awesome. Thank you. Uh,